Stetson's stories of redemptions, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise you, Jesus. This is a segment that I'm calling Stetson's Stories of Redemption. It's a series of stories that were written by me and a friend named Katie Mackey when I was in college a few years ago. And all of these stories are actually true stories, and they're taken from different people that we knew at the time at Stetson. And their stories are almost like their biography, but what's cool about them is just how the love of Jesus shines through darkness constantly. A constant theme in these stories is how there was darkness, there was pain, there was hurt, there may have even been sin, and there was confusion. But then the, the love of God was introduced. And when that love was introduced, there was redemption and there was glory and there is peace and love. So I hope that you enjoy these stories. I will warn you ahead of time that these are real stories and that means that bad things happen sometimes. And some of those bad things are maybe what you would call um, triggers. Um, there's instances of really terrible things happening and I don't know if all of the stories have those or not, but I'll try to be conscious to put trigger warning at the beginning if they do. Um, I hope that you enjoy these stories and I hope that it touches you and gives you hope to know that even in your story, no matter where you are, there can be redemption and nothing, absolutely nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is just a reminder that although these stories are often written in the first person, they're going to be narrated by either myself or my wife, Jen. And so you will hear me use pronouns like I or me or we, although it's not actually myself that's in the story. So don't be confused and think that all of these terrible things happen to me. It's not, these aren't my stories. These are other people's stories. This is a trigger warning for the following story. I want to let you guys know that some of the content in this story may be hard to handle or perhaps even inappropriate for certain age groups, so be aware. My family and I are from Denver, Colorado. Like a lot of people, I grew up going to church and hearing about God. I always knew the gospel and always loved church. I guess I loved the juice and crackers we ate at the Lord's Supper every week, but I never really knew much about God. I either slept through church or didn't pay attention, which was probably why I got in trouble all the time. Up until I was 12 years old, I got disciplined almost every day. I was always so annoyed by it, but still so disobedient. When I was 12, though, I heard a talk by the youth, youth pastor, Tim Vincent, who talked about how you needed to have your own faith. As he talked about the difference between your parents' faith and your own, I sat there in confusion. The whole time, God's spirit convicted me that, for all my life, I had simply gone to church and, quote-unquote, believed in God because I loved my parents and that's what they wanted me to do. 
Tim talked about this personal relationship with God that I didn't quite understand. I thought that relationships were just between boys and girls. I just couldn't understand what he meant. All I knew was that I really loved God. Through the partial fear and partial amazement, I decided right then I needed to give my life to the Lord. He started changing me immediately. Though I started seeing personal spiritual growth, I also stumbled across pornography that same year. My dad, Ray, found out, and I was scared to tears as I sat awaiting the awful punishment I was sure was coming. I sat, wallowing in my own fear, as my dad walked up and hugged me. He told me he would help me rather than punish me. He told me he loved me and that I wasn't going to fight this battle alone. He was there to help and pray for me as I fought this. From that point on, my relationship with my dad grew exponentially. Because I had only ever seen him as a disciplinarian, our relationship was slow in growing. However, I began to see him more as my father and relished the times I was able to play sports and lift weights with him. I loved when he took me to basketball games and tennis matches and getting to talk to him afterwards. He even taught me about sex. We had an ongoing conversation, not just the normal quote-unquote talk. He showed me what God said about sex rather than just telling me not to do it. It was because of these conversations that I began to see and respect my dad in ways I never had before. The week before I went into ninth grade, my family moved to Orlando, Florida. My dad's boss had told him that he was thinking about selling his company and wanted my dad to have the opportunity to find a good job rather than being blindsided later on. After a lot of prayer, my family felt led to take a job in Florida from a friend of my dad's. Just as we moved, the recession hit. Though I never personally experienced the fear of going bankrupt or not having food on the table, I saw my dad experiencing greater and greater stress. He was working two jobs during my 10th grade year and a third by my 11th year. I knew he never wanted to work this hard, but he felt as though he needed to just to provide for his family. I guess he did have to, although I wish he hadn't. My dad had always been extremely energetic, extremely personable, and extremely strong in his faith, but I saw him getting worn down by work and stress. He began waking up around 4 or 5 a.m. every morning, making school lunches for my siblings and myself, then working nonstop until 11 at night or later. He was tired all of the time. My parents started going to marriage counseling where he was confronted with himself. He realized that something that had happened in his past was negatively affecting his whole life. At this point, he stopped the counseling because he realized their issues weren't coming from their marriage. Instead, he started getting personal counseling from a good friend and retired pastor, as well as some other men in the church. Even so, he never went back to being his old self. I remember one day seeing my dad dressed for work. 
and I complimented him on how fit and trim he was looking. I found out later that he looked so slim because he was vomiting every day because he was so stressed. I asked him the address to a basketball practice I had to go to, then left to start my day. That was the last time I ever saw him. I came home that day exhausted to hear my brother ask if I had seen my dad. I didn't realize that was strange because I was too tired. I took a long nap and then got ready for that night's homecoming dance. I picked up my girlfriend, went to the dance, and then stopped at her house afterwards to hang out. Her mom told me my parents wanted me home early that night, so I headed home. Pulling into that driveway, I saw my mother's face. She was hysterical. I couldn't understand a word. All I understood was that my dad was missing. Close friends were at our house as we waited to see if the police would find anything. We sat, wondering about what happened. We figured maybe he got hit by a car while he was riding his bike and then thrown into the bushes so he couldn't be found. I could think of only two spots in the neighborhood where he might be. We picked one of them and drove over there. I thank God we chose the spot we did because we didn't find him there. Not finding him at the first spot, we gave up and went to bed. When we got up to get ready for church the next day, someone called saying they may have found Ray's bike. My mom and oldest brother were leaving just as two police cars and an ambulance, sirens blaring, sped past my house. I felt instantly crippled. My brother Andrew went into the garage, then came right back. We gotta go, he said, a stunned expression on his face. Dad's dead, we gotta go. We rode with one of our neighbors to the scene. Yellow caution tape was everywhere. People were crowded around, and I saw my mom and brother crying. I'm sorry, guys, said our driver as we pulled up. My dad had killed himself. We all cried near the policeman and caution tape, then went back home and cried some more, and cried some more, and cried some more. Hundreds of people poured through our house, and each man from his men's group who saw me started bawling. I looked just like my dad. It was miserable just sitting there and crying. I didn't want to talk, but all those people were just there. My football coach, Casey Harper, walked in. Hey, Pat. I think we should go outside and talk. I didn't want to talk. I didn't care what was on his mind. I was fed up with everything. I reluctantly agreed, and we sat on a bench at a park across from my house for hours. That's when God showed up for me. No one knows what to say in a situation like that, but God had brought him through so, so much that he was able to sit there and comfort me like no one else could. When we got back to my house, Andrew suggested that we have a worship night in our front yard. I remember thinking, why should we have a worship night right now? But at the same time, I knew Andrew wanted us to cry out to God. Worshiping made us a little more cheerful, but it was tough. We just sat in my yard playing music and singing. And when we finished, I went back into a house still full of people. Eventually, Everyone but a few ladies left us alone, and I went into my bedroom. Here, I faced one of the most defining moments of my life. I couldn't sleep. I didn't want to pray. 
I didn't know what to do. I was just standing there thinking, God, all my life I have gone to church and followed you. But right now, I know that if tomorrow I don't feel much different, I'm going to give up. I'm going to start living the way the world wants me to and start doing a lot of things I haven't done before. At that moment, no booming voice shook my room. Lightning didn't crack. And I didn't hear some deep voice coming down from heaven. But I knew in my spirit that God was speaking to me, guiding me, and telling me, trust me, Patrick, and I will take care of your, you every day. I needed a lot of care the very next day. It was my birthday. I didn't want to celebrate. I didn't want to do anything. Yet God was still faithful to that promise, and he used my closest friends and family to show me a lot of love. There have been so many things that have happened since I lost my dad. I cried so hard during awards night of my 12th grade year because I so desperately wanted my dad to be with me. During my senior football game, senior basketball game, and graduation, all I felt was pain because he was not there. Even throughout college, I struggled. I rem remember breaking lifting records for football and immediately going to the bathroom and crying because I couldn't tell my dad. Every story in this book is about redemption from complete brokenness, total death, and the truth that God never fails to restore what was lost. Where do I even begin to talk about that? I still have a tendency to sin, though I've been made righteous by grace, still broken sometimes. But God has taken every little piece of me that was smashed on the ground and picked it up, dusted it off, and made new pottery, a new creation for a wounded and flawed human being. I'm new every single day. I've found purpose in allowing God to redeem my story and in watching him use me to share it. I want to challenge you, no matter who or where you are, run to Jesus and let him change your life. Abandon your own desires and live pursuing Christ. Throw away everything you identify with, your race, background, religion. Whether you're a football player, a basketball player, an academic, a Muslim, Hindu, Mormon, or even a Christian, put on a new identity in Jesus Christ and allow him to run your life. Continue as a vessel for the Lord and watch your life be radically changed and filled with supernatural joy and peace. It doesn't matter where you've come from, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. Patrick Cohn. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope that this was impactful for you and I hope that it brings encouragement to you and even a friend. If you would, go ahead and hit that like button and even subscribe so that you can be aware of everything else that we have coming for you. Thanks, guys.